Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. We're here in uh, South Carolina. Yeah, vacation. This Working pod- hard to uh, bring you a podcast. Podcast has gone worldwide officially, as well, quote unquote, worldwide, nationwide. nationwide. You know, we're coast nationwide. to coast, coast, coast to coast, coast to coast. Uh, but yes, we are here recording. Apologies for the late publication, but you know, with the holidays, we're a little bit all over the place. But we are here to talk to you today about the upcoming game against the Minnesota Vikings. Big game for the Packers playoff odds. I think I saw that if they win, they're up to a 62% chance. They still don't control their own destiny, but if they lose, they're down all the way to a 2% chance. So for those of you keeping track of the playoff tracker, that is a big game this upcoming weekend. And then of course, it is a division rivalry game. We always want to win those. Before we get any to any of this previous stuff, though, Dad, just a couple of things to pitch. If you like what you hear today, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. Uh, we tweet out when we have articles we find interesting, pieces of stats we find interesting when we're doing the research for these episodes. When we have new episodes out, we tweet out those links as well. Uh, videos we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, one-stop shopping for everything Titletown. And then if you like what you hear even more, come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube if you want to check them out there. And then this Thursday, I will actually be joining um, Hey, We Like Your Pod. Uh, They'll be doing a podcast there. We'll be talking about fandom, talking about the Packers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So yeah, really excited for that. Really uh, thankful to Matt for inviting me onto that one. Not this Matt, but... uh, uh, Matt, who runs Hey, We Like Your Pod. But yeah, so go check us out there. Go check out their podcast. It's awesome. They are talking to all kinds of great Packers uh, content creators. They are super nice. They are the best. Um, thank you again for inviting me on. Um, but Dad, let's get into this game and let's talk a little bit. Unfortunately, we do have a bit of news at the front, and that is that Jair Alexander, you've probably already seen this. This was a couple of days ago now, but was suspended for one game uh, for by the team. For making himself a captain, essentially, uh, for the Panthers game, if you didn't see, he was not named a captain and then made himself a captain. He just walked out there and, and not only joined like the other three captains, but put himself in charge to make the coin toss uh, Yes, call. and then other shenanigans ensued. We won't get into it. Essentially, he kind of messed up the calling of the toss, but we're not going to worry too much about that. Uh, interestingly, though, Dad, I thought when Matt LaFleur was asked about this in his first press conference after that suspension... Um, they asked him essentially, was it just about the coin toss? Was it anything else? And he didn't really give a full answer, but he did say, uh, it's never just one thing. So never know what's going on behind the scenes, but that I found interesting. But he also did say, he reiterated, uh, he's excited to have Jair back next week, excited to have him as part of the team going forward and part of the team for a long time. And then also said that, uh, he had a good conversation with Jair that morning and thinks, you know, they can move on from this and be fine with that. Uh, dad, any thoughts on this? I think, you know, you kind of had to suspend him. Um, unfortunate that you had to suspend him for this game, but it can't just be the Wild West out there, you no, know? Because if you say this is okay, then the boundary will keep getting pushed until somebody and <laughs> finally decide what's not okay is something wor- worse than this. Yeah, and it's it's not... It's just more the principle of the thing. Like, you can't just be doing whatever you want. And a lot of people were like, can we suspend Joe Barry for conduct, conduct detrimental to the team? And it's like, Joe Barry is bad at his job Jair was kind of you know doing something that he knows he should not be doing essentially and you know was it partially maybe protesting the fact that he was not made a captain you know you could argue maybe he should have been made a captain but that's neither here nor there he is suspended for this game that's kind of the last of it um but dad let's move on to the injury report for this game 
Not as long as some of the other ones for the Packers, but still a bit of a long one. We do actually have game designations as we're recording here on Saturday for this Sunday night game. So you'll have all of Sunday to listen to this one. For the Packers, if you want to listen to it more than once. Exactly. For the Packers, uh, let's start with them. Devondre Campbell is doubtful with a neck injury. He did not participate in practice any of the days this week, though, so it would be a bit surprising for him to go, considering he's already missed, I believe, two games with this same neck injury. Beyond that, Luke Musgrave uh, was a limited participant all week. He has not been designated to return off IR yet, but he is listed as doubtful as you are now required as a team to list those players with designations, but would be surprised if he plays in this one. Uh, Robert Rochelle uh, is questionable with a neck injury as well, limited participant each day this week. Darnell Savage with that shoulder injury is limited uh, each day this week and is also questionable. TJ Slayton um, is questionable as well uh, with a knee and a foot injury. He was limited Wednesday, didn't participate Thursday, and then was limited Friday. So, you know, moving in the right direction. So perhaps he'll be ready. Luke Tenuta also has not been designated to return off IR yet with that ankle injury he suffered early in the season. He was a full participant each day in practice this week, but is doubtful. Uh, Beyond that, Christian Watson, hamstring injury, didn't participate in any of the practices this week, was outside for stretching, a lot of people said, with his helmet off, but was not officially a participant in any any of those practices, is doubtful for this game. Uh, This would be his fourth game missed with that hamstring injury. Dontavian Wicks with a chest and ankle injury, didn't participate uh, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday in practice, and is questionable. And then Emmanuel Wilson still has not been designated to return off IR with that shoulder injury. He was a full participant each day this week and is doubtful. Um, Dad, for the Packers, actually, there is one more injury that was just declared right before we recorded this podcast, and that is Eric Stokes was changed to being out uh, with a hamstring injury, that same hamstring injury that has been bugging him all season. Uh, so we are back to Valentine and Valentine on the outside. Um, so that is, you know, a tough blow for Stokes, especially just because He's worked so hard all season, and it seems like he just cannot quite kick the injury bug this year. And so it's going to be borderline back-to-back missed seasons for him, which is really tough. Yeah. And he wasn't even on any of the injury reports all week. Yeah, exactly. No no, no limited participation. So it's like a flare-up of it on Saturday. Yeah. And then in terms of, you know, the players that are doubtful for the Packers, now just to remind you, that is Christian Watson and Devondre Campbell, and then Musgrave, Wilson, and Tenuta, who are not off IR, those last three. Um, this is according to Zach Cruz on Twitter. He's a great follow if you like anything Packers. Um, no player listed as doubtful by the Packers has played in a game since Geronimo Allison on October 20th of 2019. So pretty much the Packers generally doubtful is a truly like you're probably not going to play. It's very, very rare that you would play. And then Jaden Reed, uh, some good news is off the injury report with that toe injury. So he is going to play this week, which is very exciting to get him back, considering that Wicks is probably not going to play in this one. Uh, for the Vikings, or anything on the Packers side that you wanted to discuss, Dad, about that injury report? Sorry, I've, I think I might have taken I mean, all of your it, thunder. It, it doesn't exactly – I don't know quite what to think about the what our secondary looks like when we're going against Justin Jefferson, but I don't know what to think about their quarterback. But anyway, it doesn't give me warm fuzzies. Well, here's the thing. My thought is just, has the secondary could the secondary be worse than it has been the past two weeks? Now, you could say that Valentine and Valentine were – Playing better, playing than pretty Jair well. And Stokes, in my opinion, before. yeah. I mean, in terms of we talked about this last podcast, but yards per target and completion percentage, Valentine has been better than either Jair or Stokes this season. Yep. Um, and and I think like yards and completions per coverage snap, snap as well. Yes, Not just how many times a target. Yeah. And so you know, 
it's just something to keep in mind. I would not be surprised if the secondary looks better in this game, honestly, even though, you know, Stokes yeah. and Jair on paper are better names. I just don't think Jair is playing 100% right now, not in terms of his health. Um, and then Stokes, you know, obviously, clearly also not 100%. Yeah, I'm also a little worried about what our uh, receiver core is going to look like. If Wicks ends up missing this game, I don't expect, you know, Watson to play being doubtful. And Wicks seems a little less likely, what, DNP all, all week? Yeah, and But it's doubtful. nice to have Reed off of the IR that he'll be playing. Not off IR, but active. I mean, sorry, active, off yes. of the uh, um, injury report. Designation list, yeah, and Bo Melton has one more, designa- or one more elevation left, so they could bring him up from the practice squad. I know we talked last week. I wasn't sure if he had no more one more. He does have one more. That was per Paul Brittle on Twitter. So they could bring him up. They have um, not yet announced that today. No, they have not. Um, but on to the Viking side of the injury report. Uh, the first two pieces of news are that their star tight end, TJ Hawkinson, uh, was placed on IR for them this week after tearing both his ACL and MCL, uh, unfortunately ending his season. That really sucks for him. Um, he was having an excellent year. And then DJ Wanham, one of their edge rushers, was also placed on IR with a torn quad, also ending his season. Um, you know, prayers up for both of them, keeping them, you know, hoping they heal up quick as possible to be able to play some next year yeah it's it's just tough to have those late in the season injuries late in the season Uh, beyond that though their injury report jordan addison with an ankle injury uh is questionable didn't participate in practice on wednesday but was limited thursday and friday makai blackman one of their corners uh shoulder and and illness um didn't participate wednesday was limited thursday and friday he is also questionable uh, Troy Dye, one of their linebackers, uh, is questionable as well with a wrist injury, limited Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, Theo Jackson, one of their safeties with a toe injury, is out. Byron Murphy, their starting corner with a knee injury, is out. And this is also something interesting that Zach Cruz had on Twitter. Um, he is out, and Josh Metellus, who often uh, lines up in the slot when he is not available, has allowed the third most catches and yards in football when covering the slot. So, Keep that in mind that, you know, slot uh, availability, having Jaden Reed for this and, game is I was about is to big. say, and Jaden Reed is coming back. I should have, like, put that in as a matchup to watch. Yeah. Jalen Naylor, one of their wide receivers with a concussion, is not going to be in this game. He is also out. And then Jacqueline Roy, uh, D-tackle with an ankle injury, is also out in this game. Dad, anything that I didn't touch on in the Viking side of the injury report that you wanted to discuss, or shall we I move mean, on to the next They're one? getting hit up by receiving core injuries, too, with a... Uh... Hawkinson out and maybe and Addison questionable. I don't know how limited he's been. You know, DNP and two limiteds. You know, maybe he'll play. We'll have to see. But uh, if he also can't go, then that that's really going to set their receiving core back. But you know, we've got both are kind of facing similar things this time of year. So we'll see it's, how it goes. That's football, you know. Um, but yeah, Dad, let's move on to the meat of the game preview, though. Um, some quick facts. This game is kicking off Sunday at 7.20 p.m. in Minnesota, indoors, local time, Sunday night football. Very exciting to have this game in prime time with, you know, a decent amount of playoff implications for both sides. And, you know, a good division rivalry is always a good game for Sunday night. The Vikings are favored by two uh, with an over-under of 43.5 for an implied score of 23-21 to 21 Minnesota. Hoping we can, uh, you know, maybe turn that around. Keeping up with the Joneses, and I'm not talking about Aaron and Caleb, this is where we kind of discuss what's been going on with the Vikings this year. The Vikings are 7-8. and eight. Uh, They are currently the 8th seed in the NFC, just barely out of the playoffs. They have lost two straight. Um, they are actually planning to make a quarterback change, Dad, to Jaron Hall, one of four quarterbacks started by Minnesota this season, uh, his second start of the year. He is a fifth-round rookie with 10 career pass attempts, and in that first start, he actually got a concussion just a quarter way into the year. And if you remember, Dad, that was actually the game where Josh Dobbs had just gotten in the building. Yeah. and then played the game knowing essentially none of the playbook, and they ended up winning that game. But yeah, yeah. 
interesting that they would make a change. Uh, Nick Mullins threw for 400 yards, but I think also turned the ball over four times last week, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And and Hall, I was looking, he was actually like eight for 10 in that game. He was, and his um, passer rating, I think, was over 100. So even though he only played about a quarter of football, he, he you know, held, held up his part pretty well in that game. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about Hall later. He's an interesting player, a little on the smaller side, very athletic. Uh, traditional statistics wise, they are uh, the Vikings are 13th in points per drive and 8th in yards per drive on offense. Uh, Green Bay, for reference, is 11th and 10th in those stats. And then they are 14th in points per drive allowed and 8th in yards per drive allowed on defense. Uh, Green Bay is 25th and 31st in those, respectively. Ouch. And then, yeah, that's I know, the de- right? That's the defense carrying us. Yeah, exactly. By FTN, those are by FTN Fantasy. And then this uh, DVOA by FTN Fantasy, which also takes into account uh, strength of opponent. Um, it's a very good metric in terms of actually looking at how good a team is. Um, but by DVOA, they are fifth in defense. For reference, Green Bay is 30th. Uh, the Vikings are seventh against the pass and ninth against the run. And then they are 21st in offense. Green Bay is 10th. Um, they are 17th best passing offense, but only 29th in rushing. And then they are 30th in special teams. Green Bay has actually, uh, you know, we're coming up, Dad. We're up we're, to 26th we're on the season. We are in a hot streak. Yes, as, as hot of a hot streak as the special teams can possibly get on, I think. Um, but dad, let's move on to some general thoughts about the game. Let's move on to our first section. Hey, now play nice. Dad, I know you hate this section, <laughs> but uh, what are some things that you think the Vikings are doing well this year? So they're actually, their pass blocking is quite good. Um, they are first in the league in PFF pass blocking grade and third by ESPN's pass block win rate. Their lowest rated pass blocker is at, uh, guard Ed Ingram, and he was still slight, and he's still above average as their, as their worst lineman their best is christian derisaw at left tackle who is the second highest rated tackle in the league with at least 210 snaps yeah. by um, pff's pass blocking grade and derisaw is still a younger tackle but i think he is creeping up into that conversation of best left tackle in the league and then the right tackle o'neill is no slouch either yeah yeah right their number two tackle is still in the top 25 so they got overall their there's their top tackles in like the top two or four depending on whether you want to think overall or pass blocking and their second best tackle it's still kind of the equivalent of on average a number one tackle on a team because he's in the top, you know, less than 32. So one of the best. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because, you know, we talked about this when we talked about the Tampa game and how they had two really strong tackles on the outside. And while the Packers had five sacks on Baker in that game, they only pressured him nine times. So the last time they went against a pretty star studded uh, tackle group, they, they did not have a good day getting to the passer. Yeah. And there's not like a real obvious weak link either. So like there some, was with Tampa as well. They've yeah. got some strengths and no no real obvious weekly. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the Vikings that you like? That's or the you, main thing. I know I, you only want to get one thing. You want to hit your minimum. You want to hit your hit your quota for, for nice things you can say about the Vikings. Uh, for me, I wanted to say their defense is very well coached. Very well coached. And it's a very interesting defense. Um, this is their defensive coordinator, Brian Flores. Is, uh, his first year in the job there. Um, they brought him in this offseason. Um, despite spending just the 16th most on defense in the league this season per over the cap, they have the fifth, fifth best defense by DVOA, like we said, which is a testament to the work that he's done. Would not be surprised at all if he wins assistant coach of the year. Um, this is after being 25th in DVOA on defense last year. So he has really turned that group around and they run a very unique defense. Paul Noonan uh, wrote a very great article about this at Acme Packing Company. I recommend everyone to uh, go read it. And then Timo Risk, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. I'm sorry if I'm not. He is 
at PFF underscore Moo on Twitter, had a really good thread on this with data through week 14. Um, they are one of the most aggressive teams in the league, arguably the most aggressive team in the league per pro football reference. They blitz on 49.1% of dropbacks, which is by far the most. But it's interesting because not only do they blitz the most, they also have the highest rate of dropping eight and rushing three. So they're either sending everyone or dropping everyone. It's a very high variance defense in terms of what they're doing. They also have the highest average number of players at the line of scrimmage at the snap. So they're showing pressure on almost every single play and either sending it or dropping it. That's uh, per PFF move on Twitter. And just last week, they blitzed Goff on 67% of his dropbacks per Kevin Seifert on Twitter of ESPN. And that's just shows the amount to which they are willing to throw extra rushers at the quarterback if they don't think that quarterback can beat the blitz. Um, in terms of, so they actually, no team blitzes as much and does as much cover eight. Someone did a, a nice chart of, you know, blitz rate on the x-axis and cover eight rate on the y-axis. And they're just way up in the top right corner and no one is even near them. Um, in terms of like another testament to how well coached they are, they have the eighth fewest missed tackles on the year per pro football reference. So you know, he has really turned around this defense in just one season. Must be nice, you know, is all I'm going to say. Must be nice. Sounds nice. Um, But, Dad, yeah, no, their defense is very good this season, much better than I think anyone expected. Um, But, Dad, let's move on to our next section. What are you nervous about in this matchup? What do the Vikings do well that you think Green Bay might struggle with? So I went obvious. I'm I'm nervous about Justin Jefferson. So even in a season where he's had a lot of injuries and has missed a lot of time, he still has the third-best PFF grade for – for receiving amongst wide receivers behind only Tyreek Hill and Brandon Ayuk in terms of uh, PFF's grade. He is third in the league in yards per route run despite missing seven games. And despite missing seven games, he can still get to 1,000 yards of the season. Currently sitting at 823, 823 yards, and he's second in the league to Hill with 102.9 yards per game. So you're saying he could get to 1,000 yards in this game is what you're saying. He only needs 177 yards, which is... I didn't want to speak it into existence. It's very it possible. Is, it's real, it, it really is within is. the realm of possibility. I mean, we gave up, what, 150 to uh, Chris Godwin? So you know, I think 170 to Justin Jefferson is more than more than possible. Can I throw away the table that it's on? Yes, it's on the table. I'd like to throw away that table, but it's on the table. Yeah, it's it's very possible, though. And and, and plus, in, in what Austin doesn't, doesn't make me feel great, we talked a little bit over the last five weeks, Green Bay is 27th in the league in dropback EPA per play on defense and 29th in success rate. And I'm going to tell you, over those last five weeks, they're not going in the right direction either. This is not yeah, a defense that's trending up. Yeah, this graph is is like a waterfall. Yeah, but our listeners know that. They know who Joe Barry is. They know that he's committing crimes on defense. Uh, for me, though, um, speaking of our defense struggling, the thing that I'm a little concerned about is Jaron Hall, uh, their co- starting quarterback for this game, as a running quarterback. I'm concerned about that. Um, despite being on the smaller side, like we said earlier, for a quarterback, he measured in at just six foot and an eight inches and 207 pounds at the combine, which is sixth and ninth percentiles amongst quarterbacks, respectively. He is very athletic. At his pro day, he ran a 4.64 40-yard dash, uh, which would have placed in the 91st percentile amongst quarterbacks. And then a 1.59-yard, uh, 1.59 10-yard split, sorry, would be in the 96th percentile. So very good short distance speed, and then pretty good long speed as well to be able to hit that 4.64. He also had an elite short shuttle time at 4.19 seconds, which would be in the 88th percentile. During his last two seasons at BYU, he ran for 30 yards a game with a high of 92 yards on just eight carries against Utah his sophomore season and that Utah defense is no joke they are a good unit um, on the season per, and a reason I'm very concerned about this is we've talked about this before but the Packers are not very good at containing Russian quarterbacks dad they have allowed the fourth mo- this is per footballdb.com 
Uh, they have allowed the fourth most rushing yards to quarterbacks and the fifth most yards per carry to quarterbacks on the season. Yeah, so I, I want to say the only thing that seems like the Packers defense over the last like seven years has cared about less than general rushing yards is rushing yards to QBs. Yeah, and I, the thing is, like, I'm not even controlling for the quarterbacks they played. So they've allowed the fourth most rushing yards and the fifth most yards per carry. Keep in mind, they played Jared Goff twice, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. So four of those quarterbacks I don't think can move at all. So keep in mind that they're letting anyone and everyone pretty much run all over them. And Jaron Hall is quite the athlete, like we detailed there. Dad, I'm just envisioning so many third, third and fives, third and sixes, where he's just like, oh, the rushing lanes are open. I can just go through the. I mean, we let Tommy DeVito run for seventy yards. We have given up, I think, on multiple occasions, either season best or career best rushing um, totals to QBs. This season. Yeah, and I didn't even think about Kenny Pickett too. I mean, he he ran all well, he didn't run all over us, but he had a few key runs in that game as well. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm I would say the over unders should probably be at about like forty and a half rushing yards. I mean, I was kind of surprised that Bryce Young didn't run for more on us, but. I suppose you don't have to when you're throwing for 300 yards. So there's that. Um, but uh, let's at least get a little bit possible here, positive here. Uh, what are some exploitable weaknesses of the Vikings in this game? So one thing I, I kind of found in looking through is that lately they've shown some vulnerability against the run on defense. Over the last four games, they are 29th in rushing EPA per play on defense and 25th in rushing success rate on defense, giving up almost 100 yards per game. At a, at a, at a, at a, not, so not a huge total, but at a high efficiency for the opposing offense after being ninth in defensive rushing EPA per play over the first 11 games of the season, though their, their, their defense, their success rate is not as good. So there may be an opportunity, especially to grind out yards against them. Um, seeing as even when they were performing well in EPA per play, so I guess not giving up big plays, they were still only 19th in defensive rushing success rate. Um, and their path, even, even in this kind of lull for the run game, they're, they're passing game defense has still been pretty good in the top 10 yeah and it's a shame because honestly at many times this season our offense has been carried by the passing game although we did see just last week our first 100 yard rusher of the season I, you're getting into my hopes am i getting into you're your getting hopes into my hopes well i won't be stepping on your toes too much <laughs> you're let's, gonna crush my hopes by talking about it first your hopes and your dreams yes um but let's move on to I, oh i had my own exploitable weaknesses sorry um Mine is also run game centric, but it's about their run game. They really don't have much of one on offense. Uh, like we said earlier, they're 29th in rushing by DVOA, 29th in EPA per rush. Now, in their defense, they are 12th in rushing success rate. Uh, this higher success rate than an EPA per rush kind of indicates that while they don't have many big runs or touchdown runs, they are at least decent down to down. Um, now, they have recently made a change at, quarter, or at running back. So that is something I wanted to talk about. Uh, Alexander Madison started through week 14. He averaged just 3.9 yards per carry during this time. And over those weeks, Minnesota ranked 27th in EPA per rush and 9th in rushing success rate. And so they have actually sent him to the bench and brought in Ty Chandler as uh, their starting running back now. He started each of the last two games. He had an excellent game versus Cincinnati, 132 yards on 23 carries, 5.7 yards per carry. And then a pretty poor game. He followed that up with a pretty poor game against Detroit, just 17 yards on eight carries for 2.12 yards per carry. Yeah, so I just want to interject. I'm hoping that the rhyme scheme here is going to be A-B-B-A and not A-B-A-B. Yeah, not every other, you know. Not every other. I wouldn't count on it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, so, you know, 
Over these two weeks, while he has been the starter, Minnesota has ranked 18th in EPA per rush and 18th in rushing success rate. So on admittedly a small sample, they've kind of changed in some of that down-to-down consistency that Madison was giving them for a more explosive athlete in Chandler who will give them a few more big plays. Um, His long carry of 30 yards per PFF in week 15 is longer than any carry Madison had had on the season. Um, they are, you know, so no, a little less down to down consistency, but more juice as a rusher, more explosive plays. Um, the other thing to note though, is the downside of bringing in Chandler over Madison is Chandler is a worse pass blocker, a much worse pass blocker than Madison for PFF. And this is something that Nate Tice of the athletic football show, which is also a great listen. If you ever get the time, um, he pointed out that the lions took advantage of Chandler as a pass blocker repeatedly in this game by just blitzing, sending blitzes. And Chandler kind of had his head swimming in this game in terms of picking up guys. He is a younger running back. That is kind of something you can generally take advantage of with a younger running back. Um, But that is something that I think maybe Green Bay can look at in this game. But yeah, I don't think their running game is particularly great, even with Chandler in. We saw Detroit lock them up last week. And so that's something that I think is, you know, somewhere that if the Vikings, if they can limit the Vikings run game or get them into situations where, you know, short, short game, short area, or holding them on the run game in first and second down and forcing them in uh, Jaron Hall into third and longs. And then please just contain the pocket, I swear. Um, but I think that is somewhere that the Packers can take advantage of that. Uh, Dad, any thoughts on that? Or do you want to talk about how you hope the Packers approach this game? Let's get into our hopes. Okay, what do you got? Because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a season of hope. Oh, yes. It always is. You know, a new, se- new year, new us. Hopefully we can close out 2023 with a win. But, you know, with how 2023 is gone, I... Can't say I would be surprised if they didn't, um, but yep. go ahead. So I, I want to see. I hope, I hope they feed Aaron Jones a lot in this game. He seems to be getting healthier and, and, and better now. And he just had his best game of the year last week. Um, Jones and you know I think his first hundred yard game rushing or receiving for any Packer this year. Yep. And, he, and so his two best areas for rushing are behind the right tackle or or wide right, where he's getting five point four yards per attempt and eight point three yards per attempt respectively. Shout out Zach Tom. And, you know, Daniil Hunter, their best pass rusher, is not as good against the run. And also, and he lines up often on that side. And um, is it Chris Tony, Tonga? Kyrus, Kyrus Ky- Tonga. Kyrus Tonga, who also plays on that side, is also graded poorly against the run by PFF. And so, so both of them are, their PFF run grades are in the 40s. So setting up a possible success for Jones running to that side. And it also may have the added benefit that, you know, they all say, like, you rush at a pass rusher to try to slow down. Make them think. Make them take that one extra the second. Quarterback. And, you know, and Hunter's third in the league with 17 sacks. So slowing him down by rushing at him or, around, or, or wide around him may have some added benefits for the, the pass game. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I wouldn't hate, you know, chipping Daniel Hunter a lot as well. Uh, yep. He is definitely a guy who can take over a game. We've seen pass rushers take over a game against the Packers before. I mean, just have to go back to Max Crosby absolutely detonating on us in that Monday night football game. Um, for me, though, the thing that I hope the Packers have is an early plan for the Blitz. Um, we saw in the Giants game, that was another team that blitzed a lot. I believe they have the second highest blitz rate in the league. Only the Vikings are higher. Um, we saw Love was a bit flustered early in that game. His accuracy faltered a bit as he kind of, you know, had to think about where those extra rushers were coming from. And, you know, I think that causes accuracy to be off for pretty much the entire first half of that game. Now, he settled in in the second half, but the Vikings are a much better team than the Giants. So you, I think if you wait till the second half to settle in, it's just going to be too late, I think, at that point. Um, so I think that is something that I really hope they have a plan for. Like I said, I hope that they have a plan chipping and giving some extra help to Tom. Uh, I know Tom is probably their 
fifth best or second best lineman on this. Uh, Elton Cheng is probably their best and Tom's probably their second best. Um, so at least you have him on that side, the side that Daniel Hunter likes to line up against a lot. You wonder if maybe he just said, hey, Rashid Walker, come here, ISO. And he's going to switch sides, but they generally don't do that as much. Um, and then I think that that is the main thing that I would like them to see uh, is that early plan for the blitz and some extra chipping and help. Um, but that, that takes us to don't take your eye off that guy. This is kind of like, you know, player of the game, but mostly not necessarily players will they, we think will be standouts, but players whose performance Critical. is if they have a good game, the Packers can win. If they have a bad game, the Packers can lose. Or if it's a Vikings player, if they have a good game, the Packers will lose. If they have a bad game, the Packers can win. Dad, who did you have your, who are you having your eye on in this game? So I, I'm going to talk about somebody we haven't actually mentioned in other parts of this. Kenny Clark. Can we get pressure up the middle without creating rushing lanes? So kind of tied into what you're saying about Hall getting out and running. I'd like to disrupt the, like them to disrupt the Vikings' pass attack, but with better discipline than we've seen recently. Yes. Not, um, so I think getting pressure up the middle without giving up the, the gaps um, to, go, to take off of the middle from Kenny Clark will also alleviate some of the problems of diving in from the, yeah. from the, well, from the edges and giving up the wide rush lanes. In that vein, though, I honestly think the worst culprit of poor rush lane integrity on the team is Devontae Wyatt. And I think in some ways, like his pressure numbers are very high because he's just picks a gap and goes, which, you know, is okay. But I, we've seen a lot of times this season, I think he is the biggest culprit of like hitting that lane, going upfield, and then just screaming past the quarterback and just getting like a little duck, a little side shake, and then he's out of the play. So I think he is the one that I think, I I agree that Kenny Clark, you know, I think his play is is more more important important and impactful, but I think. Wyatt is the one that really needs to focus on what he's doing down to down in terms of staying patient, staying, you know, present and not just tearing up the field. Um, you know, Carl Brooks as a younger interior pass rusher, I think as well, needs to focus on that. But I've noticed Wyatt doing it the most, I think, in terms of just, okay, you are, you have left an island in the, or a, a yeah. You've Moses parting the Red Sea in the A gap right now, and, yeah. and Tommy DeVito I think took advantage of Wyatt several that times in that game. That was particularly egregious. The Tommy DeVito game where the A gaps, like either one of them, he was just going up the A gap over and over again. And, yeah, but the, I would say the second person, the biggest offender in this regard in terms of losing containment, is Gary. Is Gary? I actually don't think he's as bad as he gets a rep for. I just think the individual plays where it happens, he may not do it as often. Are, but when he does yes. it, it's just because a big play. You have that Desmond Ritter run to the outside where Russell Douglas is screaming at Gary. You have the end around to Amir Smith Marset against the Panthers last week that went for like fifty yards, um, where Gary just crashes inside, and then there's not a soul to be found. But yeah, no, I I agree that I think the the plays where Gary does it end up in big plays i feel like down to down i don't notice him doing it quite as much but you're right you know who has been very good containing the edges lucas van ness he is like his run defense his run defense has been very good this year and uh, And he's coming along he's coming along a lot and and i i just wanted to shout that out because we haven't talked about him much but he's looking more and more like you know he reminds me of how gary looked first year but maybe even with a little bit more polish um for me though the player that i am not taking my eye off in this one is carrington valentine um He's going to really have to step up because this is a tough matchup because he is most likely going to draw. We don't we don't have cor- uh, corners, you know, switch uh, follow receivers very much. But I essentially just picked their their lead corner. It could have been Valentine as well. Um, but he's going to have to step up against Jefferson. Um, assuming he has a comp- we have a competent game plan, which like you know assumptions. You know what they say <laughs> about assuming. Um, he should not have to be one on one against Jefferson very much. 
Uh, they should be able to give him help over the top a lot. I hope they bracket him a lot because you just can't let him single-handedly beat you. Um, I say can't. You should not let him single-handedly beat can. you. I was going to say, we're very capable of letting him single-handedly beat us. I've seen I've seen us do it just last year. Um, but yeah, so I think he has the most important matchup, essentially. I could have picked any of the corners, um, but I just picked Valentine because I think he's the most capable. I'm I'm excited to see him, you know, we talk about Jair having a lot of swag and tr- talking a lot of trash. I feel like Carrington Valentine has that turned up to like a billion. He he's got a lot of swag, a lot of swag <laughs> and a lot of trash talking. He what was it? I think Ben Solak of the uh, ex- of extra point taken on the ringer was saying like I've never seen a corner play down to down so angry as Carrington Valentine. He is often pulled back from confrontations by teammates. Teammates which is the energy I want our corners to have. I do also want to see how he responds to only getting three snaps last week after essentially being the starting corner all year because you know he was the starting corner all year he's been playing incredibly well he played incredibly well in preseason and in camp and in OTAs and then just last week you know down to three snaps like pretty much entirely benched and I want to see how he responds to that because some players would amp up their game some players are gonna be like this man this is some BS like I don't know, and I, I think he's the type of player who will respond to that, but I, he's someone I have my eye on because his performance is going to be integral to the Packers in this game. But, Dad, let's move on to overtime. What have you not gotten the chance to talk about yet that you wanted to touch well, on? Well, one thing I didn't think we were going to get to talk about, we talked about a little bit more, was just Zach Tom versus Daniil Hunter's pass rush, and I kind of touched on it a little bit. But uh, often Hunter's lining up on that side and will test Tom's blocking frequently, and, he need, and, and Tom needs to hold up for the Packers' offense to function. And if Hunter goes to the other side, Rasheed Walker has actually been playing better lately. Yeah, no, he's been playing all right. So I don't think we're at the point where it's like this monster disparity between the right and left. I mean, there's still a disparity. I was going to say, I was, I, there's not, it's not even. I know this is an audio podcast. I pretty much just tilted my head side to side and squinted my eyes. I was like, is there, is there an audio eye roll? Yeah, I was like, well, I was an eye roll. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know about not being a monster disparity. There's certainly a disparity. But, but Walker has improved. And for, yep. except for getting like a bad game against the Carolina game last game, which Tom did as well. Um, he's been performing quite a bit better than he did at the beginning of the year, I think. Yeah, and for me, the thing that I hadn't gotten a chance to talk on is the previous matchup we had against the Vikings uh, previously on. Um, the Packers last played the Vac- uh, Vikings on October 29th, week eight, and they lost 24 to 10. I will tell you, though, it was not really that close. Um, per ESPN, the Packers never had higher than a 25% chance of winning the entire second half. Um, in this game, you know, I think the the two things in this game, the first is the Packers open this game about as slow as you can open a game. Uh, the first four drives for the Packers were all three and outs. Uh, they totaled 12 plays for six total yards oh, on their first four drives. I remember it being bad. That's even worse no, than I remember. it was even worse than you remembered. And through those first four drives, so four drives each, it's essentially the entire first half, except the last drive of the first half where Green Bay had a field goal. And you can say like, well, you're kind of just picking your cutoffs then to make it look worse for Green Bay. But I'm going to tell you, it was this bad for Green Bay. Through those first four drives, Minnesota had 33 plays for 212 yards, 18 minutes time of possession, and Green Bay had 12 plays for six yards, uh, seven minutes and two seconds time of possession. It was a stomping in the first half, and it was honestly a miracle that it was as close as it was. Essentially, they they got a few stops in the red zone that kind of made it look not too bad. And in many ways, the story of that game was actually third downs. Minnesota went 10 of 18 on third down, and Green Bay went 5 of 14. So that is something to keep your eye on is third downs in this game. Uh, Because if we have a repeat performance there on those critical must-have-it downs, 
we're going to probably have a very similar result. And so I just wanted to touch on that last meeting because, you know, these teams have changed a lot. If you remember, Kirk Cousins was still starting this game. This was the game he got hurt in. Um, near the end of the game. Yeah, near the end of this game. Um, you know, Green Bay wasn't the same team as it is now. I think they've made a lot of progress on offense and you know regressed a little bit on defense. Um, but yeah, so just something I wanted to touch on is this last matchup. Green Bay is here to get some revenge. They took one in our house. Let's go take one in their house. Uh, but Dad, let's wrap things up here. Uh, bottom line, or is there anything else you wanted to touch on in overtime of this one? Uh, that was the overtime that I had. There's a little bit of, you know, we get to the bottom line. All right, let's get to the bottom line, Dad. Vikings win if blank. If, like, Love is under con- constant pressure running for his life. Kind of like this turns into, um, like, the, the Raiders game or the first Lions game. It's that's going to be. I don't see us being able to overcome that by just shutting them. If, if our offense really struggles because the, like the pressure will break down our offense substantially, we don't have the defense. No, to get into a that kind of. Uh, um, we barely game. have the defense to win a shootout. Like that's the thing. Like we were in a shootout with Carolina, and honestly, it should have gone to overtime. So there's that. Uh, for me, I said the Vikings win if the Packers' pass defense plays how it has the past three weeks. Uh, if we let Jaron Hall throw for 300 yards, 250 yards, if if we let him just y- like huck it around the yard and do whatever, we're just not going to win this game. I I just it's it's one thing to win a shootout against you know Carolina's a decent defense, but it's a lot harder to be in a shootout against a team with you know a top five defense that if you're in an like a must pass scenario, they're just going to wreak havoc on your pass rush by sending extra guys. And then as soon as you're ready for the blitz, oh wait, there's eight guys in coverage. I thought I had to get rid of it early, but there's four guys with their eyes on the ball and they're gonna pick this thing automatically because I was I was feeling the rush when it wasn't there since they called the blitz up so many times. Dad, but other side of the ball or yeah. other side of the or anything you want to add there? No, it's just that my other side of the ball the Packers win if is kind of one way to get around the problem that you bring up is that if they can control the game with a rushing attack and they're not forcing these we have to throw and all of a sudden i have nowhere to throw to um so they can stay out of must pass um downs and ha- as much as possible have control of the ball and another 100 yard game uh, um yard game for jones wouldn't hate it i certainly would not hate it and they will have dylan in this game as well i'm interested to see how much he ends up playing again with that broken thumb they w- he gave him what like four carries last he hardly game? played at all but i was thinking a little bit about this and looking at some of the vikings metrics so that you know their um success rate rushing success rate on d is maybe could be exploited by and that's something that might be a dylan kind of game yeah it's certainly possible and i don't think they're going to give him a lot of carries it seemed like they brought him in at the Jones one just looks so good last week. that's true it could be they were riding the hot hand but I don't well, know. That's if, why I'm hoping that they'll do the same thing this week. Fair just enough. Just keep doing that. Yeah, I, if he looks so like good. Yeah, just let's just see. I want to see more. I guess my question is just: Did they ride with Jones so much over Dylan because Jones is playing so well, or because they're worried about giving Dylan all that work? Um, but Dad, Packers win if I said the same way they've won most of the games this year. Jordan Love just puts the team on his back. That seems to be the only way they've won games this year is Jordan Love just saying, "Hey guys, come along with me. We're gonna go win this game." Um, but Dad, score prediction. Let's wrap this thing up here. What'd you get? I'm going for a, a happy New Year's Eve to celebrate uh, Packers win 30-27. I unfortunately did not. I think it's going to be a little bit of a flip of last week. I think we're going to keep it tighter than we did the last time we played, but I got Minnesota 33, Green Bay 30. I think it's just going to come down to that last bit, and we're just not going to quite have enough for it this week like we did last week. And, you know, it is going to be what it is. But anyway, Dad, 
Thank you so much, listeners, for giving us a listen. Sorry again for the late release during this holiday season, but we hope you have all of Sunday to listen to this before we get to see Packers Vikings on Sunday Night Football. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, stats that we find interesting when we're doing research for these games, or for these podcasts, that is, articles we find interesting, videos we find interesting, pieces of Packers injury news, roster moves, etc. One-stop shopping for everything Titletown. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. If you want to subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. And then once again, come check out Hey, We Like Your Pod. I will be on there on Thursday, and it's a great podcast in general, talking to different uh, Packers content creators, talking about their fandom, talking about the Packers. You know, it's just they're they're awesome. They're super nice. They're great podcasters in their own right, much better than us and much more experienced than us. But hopefully we will one day get to that level. But anyway, once again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.